I mean, my, my favorite running joke is, did Jesus go into preaching and ministry because he was called and loved it or because he was a sucky carpenter and, didn't, <laughs> and couldn't follow after his father's footsteps as people did at that time wow. and decided he needed to find another profession? I'm, you know, I'm just putting it out there. Just putting it out What's there. not said is just as important. <laughs> Welcome to episode 88 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brew pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. You can catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening and some other things through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. We are brought to you by Wink Wine Club. Uh, featuring superbly crafted wines delivered right to your door as your state allows. You can get started at trywink.com slash ptlive for $20 off your first order and other savings. Even better, you can have free bottles on us. Call and leave a voicemail. Oh, by the way, we have a voicemail. I forgot to mention. Uh, 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 780-785-4830. Shoot us an email, info at pubtheology.com, where you can send questions for us to discuss, comments on previous discussions, complaints, high praise, whatever you want to do. Um, And you'll be entered to win three bottles on us. You just pay tax and ship in, and we'll select a winner every month. Want to join us for the live recording of our 100th episode? Join us at Wild Goose Festival, July 12th through 15th in Hot Springs, North Carolina. The Wild Goose is a gathering of progression, progression, progression. Hey, there's a progression. My faith is in progression exactly. or regression. I don't know. Progressive spiritual thought leaders, artists, activists centered on spirit, justice, music, and art. Get your tickets at wildgoosefestival.org. You can also join our conversation on Twitter or Facebook using hashtag PTLive. So today we discuss, would we rather have 200 bucks a day or just two extra hours a day? Not just, I should say. It's a legitimate question. But we're also going to reflect more substantively on Martin Luther King Jr. remembered this past week and his call for unity in the speech that he gave Uh, the night before he died, which was 50 years ago. And we'll also talk about appropriating Jesus. So welcome, friends. And what are we drinking today? Ogan, fire away. Oh, oh, oh. Got to get my drink up the ice bucket. Classic like that. (laughs) It is a St. Bernardus Vite. Vite. Uh, We go in Hefeweizen, springtime. It's a Belgian number. uh, Trying to coax spring weather. And New England by by the beers that I'm drinking. Um, it's I'm very jealous today. Um, so there you go. That's that's what I got. It's one of my favorites. So I have a meeting tonight, and I am I am very very tired today. So I'm um, drinking Coca Cola Zero Sugar. Ooh. Ooh. Very exciting. Nice. I, I do have to say I think it's the first time I've not had an alcoholic beverage on this show. So 
whatever that's worth. You're going to yeah. have a whole different experience. Our worst show, then you know why I drink. Stay tuned. <laughs> well, I am drinking a Dead Guy Ale wow. uh, from Rogue, and this is a Malbec style with robust a robust malt profile and a sweetness that is balanced by the liberal use of bittering hops. So there you go. A nice. Use. And a scary ass can too. And a very scary can. <laughs> I really like the way this sounds when I pour it though. Sounds like our opening. Ooh, nice. <laughs> Let's get them as a sponsor. <laughs> so it's it's a picture of a dead guy in the can for those listening. And in the back it says, Dare risk dream i'm glad they didn't include die on that because what's what's on is he wearing a skull cap like what's happening it, it looks like a, a like a papal hat like a yeah. yes it's like a so dead it's saint oh uh, is that what's going on i can tell yeah so for those listening it's like a a skull a skeleton with his like knees up and his arms around his knees holding a beer but it it also looks like he's a cone head in yeah. his skull so we're trying to figure out what the heck's so, going on there. So go watch the video on YouTube. <laughs> right, because it's weird. It's, it's weird. worth it just for that. But it's a beautiful uh, piece of art. Beautiful. Mm, that's tasty. Beautiful. All righty. So in opening, we are going to ponder, if you had the choice where you could have $200 extra every day, just you could have it, or you could have two extra hours every day, which would you choose? Show me the money. Absolutely. No question. <laughs> right to I mean, the you're money. You're talking about doubling my salary there. Like, you're not talking about $200 a, a month, $200 a year, yeah. or even $20 a, a day. That's like, a lot of money. <laughs> that's a lot of money. And, yeah. and, but I'll argue this. Like, two hours extra a day um, just makes me feel like our already over-processed need to produce more and more and more would get even worse. Like it's right. not. It's not. We gonna take those two hours and take care of ourselves. Right. No. What if it was two hours extra of sleep a night? Would that change it? Ah, uh, oh, come on, Shannon. No. <laughs> no. You know what? I, I'm like, I've like really come to peace with the fact that like I like that there are 24 hours in a day, and that my day will end in X. I mean, I'm uh, a person that I would not. I would need to feel like I would be doing more now if we could change the way my day worked or something like that. But, and this is not a time is, is, you know, time is more precious than money, right? That's. Well, is it though? Well, so I I said this, I was like, wow, I think you've hit my, how much is my time worth limit? Like $200 a day. There it is. That's, that's what my time is worth. But. um, Because when you think about it, $200 a day or two extra hours, you're basically saying that's a hundred bucks an hour. Right. I don't make a hundred bucks an hour. Right. <laughs> exactly. So take so, the money. Take the money. <laughs> so take the money. And like, and, and somebody on our Facebook say, page said like, well, $200 a day would give, wouldn't, I wouldn't have to work an extra job or I wouldn't have to. Right. So you would get time back. Is you wouldn't argument. have to work at all. Many of us. Cause well, someone did the math and it's about 73 grand a year. Well, like I said, it would double my <laughs> salary and, and like, think about it. I mean, that's, you know, I live in a very expensive part of the world, right? And whatever, mm. like a minimum wage worker, I mean, that's triple, quadruple your salary. But hey, you know, with these recent tax breaks, you know, we can go get a Costco membership now. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go there. Wow. Sorry. So on Twitter, 
Carolina says, I would choose two hours, but then that would throw off my circadian rhythm. I would then age faster. Would that mean that I would be in a constant wormhole because everyone else would have 24 hours and I'd have 26? Extra money seems less complicated, but then taxes. So great question. <laughs> so, take the money. Just take I can the figure money. out. Taxes, taxes are just math. And if I can't figure that out, somebody else can. Exactly. <laughs> now you have the money to pay them too. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know. I, I, I understand why people have the impulse to say two more hours. Like I, I get it. And, and so my comment when Brian, Brian posted this on his personal page yesterday and my comment back was like, well, but it was that aging thing. Right. So yeah. if I get to like, I only, you only live so many days, right. You only live so many years and so many days, but are you adding on hours to my life? No, you're just taking, so I'm actually going to die younger. Right. <laughs> no, that's no good. I'm going to die younger and I'm going to have less days to do it in. So no, thank you. I'm good. The you fact know. that anyone has to think that through for a little bit is, <laughs> I mean, come on, 200 so, I, I, well, I, I will say final comment. Most people pick the money in our, in our Facebook and, and Twitter uh, responses, but some were, were like, this would make a huge difference in my life. And other yes. people noted like, man, I have medications that cost this amount of money. So it also, I think prompted up that, that life is hard and just paying the bills is hard. And I think this tapped into that a little bit. I, I the last thing I want to say is that I think that saying time is a very privileged thing to be able to say and yes. not not even in a bad way but like it's a very privileged thing to be able to say no i could put that much money aside and not because i'm greedy do i want the money i mean but like it like you said it would actually make life better for those of us that are struggling yep. in some and, way when you, and when you get that extra 200 dollars a day remember to tithe to your local spiritual communities absolutely Twenty bucks a day. Woohoo! Anyway, <laughs> so uh, a week ago, well, a week and fifty years ago, I should say, April three, nineteen sixty-eight, um, <laughs> Martin Luther King Jr. gave his final speech in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, and he said, "Something is happening in our world. The masses of people are rising up, and whenever they're assembled today, whether they're in." Johannesburg, South Africa, Nairobi, Kenya, Accra, Ghana, New York City, Atlanta, Georgia, Jackson, Mississippi, or Memphis, Tennessee, wherever they are, the cry is always the same, we want to be free. And then he asks, now what does all of this mean in this great period of history? It means that we've got to stay together. We've got to stay together and maintain unity. So my question is, what do you think he means there by unity? And then what what disruptors are there toward that kind of unity today? Um, I, I, I think one of the, the pieces of unity that I think he was striving for us to experience is equality and oneness. So we, we all have the same experience, again, regardless of what we look like, what gender we are, what, what age we are, um, maybe what what socioeconomic strata we come from <clears throat> that we're all benefiting from from the rights and privileges of living in this great nation you know because at that time so many people weren't 
today, so many people aren't as well. We've come a ways. Um, you know, Shannon said we progressed, progressive. We progressed some ways, but there's still um, more ways to go. And I think one of the disruptors to that unity is uh, greed, um, racism, genderism, uh, ageism, all the isms that are out there um, are contributed into our uh, disunity, um, if you will. So I had a discussion on Saturday with a friend of mine who is in town um, that was actually very, asked the same question, like, hmm. what is unity and is, is it really something that we should be striving for? Um, right. Because unity today, to me at least, feels like we need to, that, that rhetoric of like, we need to come together and unify together means everybody get behind me and it actually in to me feels very opposite of what it's supposed to mean and so so the discussion that we were having is like okay where's the biblical like now it's it's pauline pauline theology right of of we are one body in christ right um and if you go in into that a little further unifying in one body in Christ is the hand does not say to the foot, I have no need of you. Right. It is, it is, you need all of us and all of us together create this full picture of what it is to live in the world and to be not just human, but to understand each other's, um, things that bring us together that are the same, right? The same struggles or the same ideas of life and the things that make us different. And it's only all together that we can have that full picture. Paul, the, Paul's a, not a great example. Cause he also, yeah. you know, totally <laughs> honored their masters and told women that they didn't really, which is the problematic nature of that. But <laughs> that's yeah, not but, the kind of unity I want to experience. No. I, I think your point is a really good one, Shannon. And so another question that is worth asking is what place should unity have in the values or goals of a society? And I wonder if, as you said, if unity becomes the goal, if it actually gets in the way of itself, because it's usually the establishment and the people who are in the position of, of dominance or power who are echoing this call for unity. And what that means is quieting dissent, everybody kind of put up with how it is. And I think what we end up with is often a facade of unity mm -hmm. rather than actual unity. And if we're seeking the things Ogan noted, equality, um, everybody uh, being full recognized members of society, then unity might be a nice byproduct. But should unity be the 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 goal I think is worth asking. I think, I think it should be, I think it should be in terms of, of uh, uh, a base level that we all start from and agree on in society. Let's all agree that, you know, women should make equal pays men for the same position. I think that's a good place to start. Let's agree. <laughs> There's not agreement on that, but I, I don't I, disagree. <laughs> 
No, but that's what I'm saying. We're striving. We're progressing towards that's your opinion, that. Brian. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> the pay the the pay gender gap has closed, but it's it's not it's not closed. It's better than it used to be, but it's not closed. And I think that as long as we have these um, differentiators where one group is experiencing uh, less than another, that we're, we're that's that's not a good equitable society. Now, right. and there's not going to be unity. There's not going to be unity. It doesn't right. mean you know homogeneousness. We don't all have to be the same, right? Correct. In, in terms of how we show up in life. But you know, some some good good base level stuff we can all ag- agree on. Yeah, equal equal gender, equal pay. Uh, you know, you you should be able to go to the bathroom where you want. <laughs> you know, that stuff like that. Right, and 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 that's the difference to me. So there's the integrity of the person calling for unity, right? So when our current beloved child of God <clears throat> president, which I'm trying <clears throat> to say. I'm trying to say every time, guys, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm working. See the Christ in him too. He's a divine child of God. Right. Um, <laughs> when he says we all need to come together and unify, I don't like, I don't believe like that's not unity to me. That's not, that's not, you're going to hear me. You're going to understand um, where I'm coming from. You're going to listen to my side of things. That's, that's a very uniformity. Yeah. that I am not looking for, right? right? Um, when Martin Luther King says it, I said, okay, what, like I go into this, what's, what's the intention here to maintain unity? Yeah. And immediately I start thinking about um, the argument that I make on a regular basis about the, the kind of the difference between um, conservative and a, a liberal or progressive view and one of the things we have a tendency to do in on our progressive side is we get in our own way by um, sure. you're not doing it right or you're not caring about it in the right way. Yes. Or um, why are you focused on women's rights when we need to deal with immigration right now? Like we fight against each other. Yeah. And and I feel like as as this whole quote. Like we want to be free is the cry from all of these people. And we must stay together because what we're doing is, well, in order to be free in Johannesburg, this is what it looks like. And in order to be free in New York City, this is what it looks like. And in order to be free in Memphis, this is what it looks like. And and that those three things are not contradictory to each other, that we have to be big enough and maintain support of one another to to do all of those things in all of these nuanced ways whereas on the other side of that right there's one issue voting there's we can all unite behind around abortion we can all unite around around the second amendment we can all like there's just this cohesiveness that like these things we don't disagree with whereas over here like we disagree about everything and how to do it. (laughs) And, and yet like, this is where I say, okay, maintain the unity, maintain focus. Like I need to be okay that someone else is working on immigration while I'm over here working on women's rights or gun laws or or gun control or, you know, like there's enough issues to go around. We can, we can share. (laughs) And so that's the, like, how do we support one another and not argue with one another? Right. Yeah, and I think the context is important for this because he, 
as you said, he's noting all these places in the world and he's noting this cry. Well, who is making this cry, we want to be free? It's people who aren't free, people who are oppressed, however that looks, in those regions. And so I think he's calling for unity of people from below, people who are on the margins, people who don't have power and saying, we need to stick together, whether we're in Mississippi or Ghana, our, ca- our cry for freedom and our cause are connected. And we have to be in this together because the powers are always going to not step out of their way to make us suddenly equal. They're going to push that aside as long as they can. We're going to have to grab it for ourselves. So if we who are oppressed are not unified, what chance do we have of changing the status quo? What's that analogy of like, this is not pie, right? Like there is enough to go around. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It's not a, if, if, if you go out and march for gun control, then you're taking away from my cause. Like there's, there's enough. There, there are enough causes and enough people. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like we can divide, we can divide and conquer. <laughs> and there's and enough right. stuff and there's enough material stuff for everyone to have a sense of wealth and prosperity. Yeah. The, the, the issue is in uh, the agent, the issue isn't whether there's enough or not. The, the issue is distribution Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, but also a sense of humility with what you do have, you know, um, you know, uh, and and this is not a knock against billionaires by any stretch of the imagination. Um, You know, I would love to be one one day. Um, you I'll know, knock them if you don't want to. <laughs> well, I mean, we have we have billionaires who are always on the quest of getting more, 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 more. But then we also have billionaires who've come to a place where they're like, "We're gonna give it all away." I For mean, sure, Warren Buffett. Right. They're giving away the vast majority of their money, and they've planned to do that because they're like, "What are we gonna do with this money?" No doubt. You know, even even non-billionaires. I remember. Uh, few years ago when garth brooks was going around giving free concerts and they asked him like why are you doing this he goes i've already made more money than my grandchildren can spend like i don't <laughs> you know <laughs> so i'll yeah. give a free concert gets worse from here <laughs> but he still has friends in low places so he's he an really everyday does. guy and they can't afford the tickets so i'm gonna i'm gonna sing i'm gonna sing to them so so i think part of that part of that unity is is also just simply agreeing we there's stuff that needs to be changed yeah. there's things for sure so as i was thinking about you know again paul uses a lot of the unity language and and again i do like the body of christ language because it lifts up what we just said like if all these different places are different parts of the body of christ then we're working together and some may need more help than others but i you know when not too long ago we were in holy week and railing against about not against but about jesus's you know temper and his turning over tables and like how is that maintaining unity right yeah right i mean how is that a that's not a like hey beatles come together kind of song like that's a burn it down like kind of thing and well i think he was gently (laughs) (laughs) he got out a whip and whipped people like this is not okay you know one that is one story in in a whole right but there there was um, so but, actually, this is where my argument in a, is like, there, we must stay, to, we, so King's quote, like, we've got to stay together and maintain unity. That doesn't mean that disruption doesn't happen. 
right? Like exactly. That's like saying peace is sitting still, you know, for sure. I mean, that, that there was a lot of disruption in order for the, the universe. I, I guess I imagine this, like, let's maintain unity is more of Jesus in the garden going, can't you stay awake with me? You know, um, that's, and guess, and MLK doesn't get killed the day after this speech. If he's not a disruptor. Exactly. Right. Right. Like if he's, uh, yeah, I mean, this isn't come together, maintain unity. I mean, yes, unite behind me in a good way, but let's, let's unify, let's maintain status quo let's let's live peaceably with all which i don't have a problem with living peaceably with all but that means everyone has to be free right let's yeah let's not have a unity that masks inequality and injustice right and i think that jesus's teachings his life showed that i mean um now i did have it's very intriguing as we talk about this word (laughs) Ogan, you serve a denomination called Unity. Uh, I was afraid somebody would bring that yeah. up. Yeah. Oh, do you know why? Like, do you know why it's called that? Yeah, good question. Um, um, okay, so I learned this in seminary, but I subsequently <laughs> forgot. You need to flip through your book real quick. <laughs> yeah, real <laughs> quick Google this. Really? Um, I think I, uh, if my, if my uh, uh, you know, shady memory serves me correctly, um, I think it came out of the result of the founders, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, doing extensive study in all the world's religions and realizing, you know what, we're, we're more on the same page than we're not. There is, there's, there's a thread of, of oneness thinking yes. that runs through nice. stuff. So, so we are one, therefore yeah. we are unity. I may have just made that up. It sounds sounds great. No, I I think it not only sounds great. I I think it's also true. Um, I don't know enough. I don't know enough about your denomination, but sadly enough, apparently neither do I. Well, no, but I think that that part's true, and I think that that's the true. I, you know, they talk about the golden thread throughout the Bible, right? Like they talk about this. There is a unification through all these stories that that God is love, right? That that harsh not harsh like the golden thread is that god is love and that's what brings us together um what are you doing this right now what does that say the cold what the The golden golden rule with all these different oh yes the the golden rule with like every major world religion has the same aversion of yes um treat others the way that you would want to be treated brian Brian bought visual aids to an audio podcast i'm on top of my game that way (laughs) We could probably post that poster on the on the on the Facebook. Well, page. now we're gonna have to. <laughs> yeah, and I've used that before. And again, I like this is this is the we're stronger together argument, right? Like for sure. that diversity actually brings us together. Um, so and maybe separate. I could maybe I could frame a question a different way instead of what are disruptors to unity. What are disruptors to um, us seeing things as they are in the same way, right? Which I think are ultimately disruptors to unity in that we don't see what's happening in our world and our nation the same way. People of varying political stances, different religious beliefs, um, different value systems. Like the same things are happening in our country, but we will view them differently or explain them differently and either see them as not a problem or as a big problem. So why, 
why, what, what is it that keeps us from seeing the same thing? It, it, it all depends on where we're standing. Like wherever you stand determines your view. Yeah. So, so if you are living in a, in a major metropolitan area, you kind of have a different view and you see different things from if you were living in a small Midwest town. Now you'll both see poverty, but depending on, uh, again, your location, it may depend on how you think we should deal with the poverty. Um, I think a lot of it isn't just what we see differently, but I think a lot of what we disagree on is the solution. Mm. Um, you know, and in this country, especially we have politicized the solutions um, to, to things. Um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, sensible gun safety laws and gun control here. Um, when you look at the research, the vast majority of people polled, and I mean like 90 percentile polls said, for example, one issue, you know, stronger, stronger universal background checks. Everybody agrees on that, but then it can be easily turned into we can easily politicize that and say, if we do that, then what are we going to do next? And, 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 and because of where we stand, we see that not as a step forward towards a safer, um, you know, country for all of us. Some of us will see it as a step towards taking away rights. So again, it all depends that same thing, depending on where you stand is going to have different outcomes because we view it differently. I mean, I mean, experiences in, in, in religion too, you know, for sure. So I, I, I think, I think a lot of, a lot of what can help us towards unity is truly trying to see it from other people's perspectives and find out what is the base level thing that we can all maybe agree on. Right. I think everyone can agree on the fact that we should all a make a living wage that we should all, you know, be able to send our kids to school without being afraid of them getting shot. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm hard pressed to find anyone who's going to disagree with that premise. Now, how we get there is where the disagreement starts. But and do you think we're moving in a direction of, of being able to see things the way others see them uh, more, more or, or are we having a harder time? Like we live in an age of, you know, global communications, the internet, cameras, like half of life is recorded on video somewhere, it seems like, and on, on YouTube. And yet I feel like our inability to see from others' point of view seems as high as ever. If you think about, you know, fake news and, you know, just political divides, like we are not listening to each other at all. Well, I think the world became bigger in theory, right? So like, through the web, I have access to anybody across the world that also is on this web, right? But my, Which should make the world smaller, right? Well, it, in should, a way. It, should, it should make the world smaller in the argument that like someone, I can, have, I can have regular contact and communication with someone in Korea without it costing me. But it expands our views, what you're saying. It expands our world. It gives us more information. We end up with so much information to struggle well, but then look at social media and, and, and not to get into like Facebook selling the stuff, but like right. the algorithms that are created of uh, yeah. 
of you are only showing me things that, that through algorithms you have determined that I like. Uh-huh. And, and the argument of, you know, what if I want, or, or people you may know based on who you know already, you know, things like that. And, and it's the, um, I don't see what I don't want to see. Like they have the, the way that the world works. Google works, right? Like I was making a joke about search history earlier. Like it's going to show me things based on my search history that I didn't, I didn't, it thinks I want to see first. Yeah. Not all Google searches are equal. Right. And that's the argument. Ads are going to pop up on websites based on my previous search history. So it's only, it's only going to show me things that it thinks I want to see. Unless, unless you search using the Google incognito tab. Well, (laughs) cause that, that no less incognito than you think. It no, is. I know. I, mean, I know that it is, but but I will encourage you to try it. Do do a Google search under your regular tab, and then under incognito tab, and you will get vastly different results. Um, so I've I've taken to just searching there because it. I mean, technically, it doesn't search. It doesn't hold on to you know your metadata and right. your your previously visited sites and so on. Well, so I, and I do both now. There is a way to go into Facebook and to find out um, what they've labeled you as. Yes, that's always fun. Um, which is hilarious, right? It goes into like your sponsors and what, what tags it, your, like the sponsors show up. And what's interesting is I made a, like before I knew that, I was thinking in my head like, wow, Facebook ads have become really diverse. Good for them, right? Yeah, that's, that's like, only. Wow, advertisers are... <laughs> are really merging like they're using a lot of not just like they're using racial diversity they're using sexual orientation diversity i was like this is great this is amazing and then i find that and i look and 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 google has labeled me as a um african-american um like by or lesbian gay issues you know whatever i mean just like all these like (laughs) asian-american like all of these things that i'm like oh and then I was like, well, I'm not going to tell them differently because I really like these ads. <laughs> and I, don't yeah, right. see, I really don't want to see white people ads, so and, I'm good. And according to Facebook, I'm a white millennial. So, you know, there's... Right. There's, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not. So but, is well, it getting harder... Idea. Is it getting harder to see from each other's perspective? Uh, you know, I mean, what we're doing right now, and there are pub theology groups or groups by different names with a similar concept, growing across the country where the idea is let's sit down with people of different views and learn from each other. So I think there's an urge to learn and to be open, but I don't know that that's happening society wide. I think we've lost the ability to, to argue with one another. That I was just going to say it's we, we, we've forgotten how to agree to disagree one because it becomes about being right. But also that walk a mile in my shoes thing. A lot of us don't really appreciate it until it happens to us. Right. You know, I, I've actually, I mean, I actually got something in my, uh, uh, one of my past support headlines relates to this. I won't. Oh, uh, Hey, Oh, you can hit it later. Stay tuned. But, but a, a, a lot of it, a lot of it is that, and, and we saw this, I think we saw this and, and I'm, I'm truly not intentionally going back to this all the time, but I think we saw this with the shooting that happened in Parkland, Florida, 
where we had a lot of these parents who were not progressives right. seeking, you know, gun control measures until yeah. their kids got shot at. Right. 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 And and all of a sudden it's no longer this abstract thing from the other side. It's oh, this happened to me. And I and I think we've uh, in many ways we've lost that ability to empathize to the point where we say to ourselves, regardless of what I believe and what my views are, I can see how this thing can negatively impact me as well and, and, and shift that perspective. Or even if we can't see it to go, oh, that person just made a valid point about how it negatively impacts them and hmm. I should help my brother out. I, I, I think we're losing that more and more. So I, I do feel like, the, you know, we're talking a little bit about the, the kind of our next question of like, yeah, why don't you read it? So, so which is, which do you think is since, sorry, I don't have my glasses on. I'll read it. <laughs> I so, feel like guys, I cannot see without my glasses. Number three, which, incorrect, which is also, number th- also hinders how we see things. I could, well, I could, I could, um, increase the, you know, font. <laughs> but you're right. So our next question gets to this idea of how we see things. And it says, which do you sense is closer to the truth? A, Jesus was a revolutionary who, if taken seriously, would undermine our authoritarian capitalist society. Or B, Jesus espoused an individualistic morality that best informs conservative values in a hostile world. So maybe two different ways of seeing mm. Jesus, the same historical figure, but sort of seeing him in vastly different ways. And I think that's absolutely true. Those views and more, which explain, you know, a lot of our political and religious divides. I, I, I think it's neither of those. I think it's I think, both. <laughs> I, so for example, neither or both. Neither or both. Uh, you guys are I awesome. Think, okay. So I think it's a little of a, I think he was a revolution. I think he was a revolutionary, but I don't think he would have, I don't think he would have undermined an authoritarian capitalist society because, because I think, I, I think when we look at Jesus's message and the way he lived, it was about directly taking care of our neighbor, each other. It wasn't about, I mean, yeah, he whipped the people out the temple, but he wasn't there seeking to overthrow, you know, the Roman oppressors. Right. He said, you know, pay your taxes. He wasn't, he was like the, the these like big picture outer concerns. If we focus on those, we're missing the point the point is live in your heart and take care of the person next to you. Uh, I think that was the message outlined in the Good Samaritan because here, you know, all these, I mean, there's a lot of lessons in the Good Samaritan, but, but these priestly figures who, who represented the establishment, you know, they walked by the guy right. uh, who was lying in the ditch. And, and the Samaritan was the one who says, you know what, I'm taking care of my neighbor. Like I'm the person right in front of me. And, and the other stuff, the big picture outer stuff was not, I don't think, Jesus's concern. Um, so I think, I, I think, yes, if he was alive today, he'd be preaching a message of love your neighbor as you love yourself, like he did back then, but not focused on all this outer stuff. Because when, when you think, when you look at his teachings and his lessons, how much of it was really focused on, um, you know, let's, let's, get rid of the authoritarian society that's trying to keep us down. Uh, I see. I think he was 
through a lot of his parables, subverting a lot of the societal, the way society was structured. So I think he is making structural critiques, not only of the religious community, but of the empire. Um, I think that's so your I think that's your UCC-ness being projected onto Jesus. Yeah, and well, and that's that's that the question <laughs> is after you know the framing of of these two views of Jesus, how do we avoid appropriating Jesus to our own value system? And I, I know I'm guilty of that to some degree, as right. I think we all are. And the question is, how do we, to the best of our ability, attempt to take Jesus on his own terms? And I think that's part of the struggle. I don't know that. I guess I don't know that that's fully possible, right? Like for sure. I mean, anyway, I, I guess I kind of see both. I kept thinking like Jesus was a revolutionary who espoused an individualistic morality. Like <laughs> right. I don't. Um, that is true. Good yeah, point. but not individualistic right? like, as opposed to communal, though, wasn't he very no, communal? No, 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 not individualistic as opposed to communal. In fact, but and, and in fact, I I shudder the personal Jesus idea. Right, like, right. well, I'm right with me and and my Jesus, um, and that's all that matters. Right, and that's not all that matters. And and but there was like Ogan said a a you have a personal responsibility in the world. And I don't know that that is something that was um, spoken in that way before. I think the revolutionary part was if he was after anybody, it was religious leaders and less government leaders. But those two at the time were married in a way that you couldn't deal with one without the other. And they weren't taking care of the neighbors. (laughs) And they weren't, right? And, And, you know, again, the nuance of the Samaritan story is like, he's not even... Uh, one of us <laughs> you're not even one of us right and and he's got the moral authority to take care of of you and and he's not i mean he's not even in your community he's not even one of you know my tribe if you will yeah, yeah. and and so i think the i don't know that it would matter a capitalist society a communist society you know uh, like there's all the arguments of like jesus was a socialist and he's like no there there really isn't a government um idea that he fits into right right because i think jesus was all about getting rid of like you need to live your life as if none of this exists exactly that's the point i was trying to make about all that big picture stuff there is irrelevant you're absolutely right To, Uh, to answer that how to avoid appropriating jesus to our own value system stick to the big summary statements he made love the lord your god with your whole heart and soul love your neighbor as myself who's my neighbor anybody that needs help right. like i mean you you, you hit and those we all points. need help right, right? <laughs> you hit those three points you kind of got it covered <laughs> you know it seems it seems simplistic but i think where we get into problems is where we try to break down jesus and his words into the minutia of what he said what this line here this line there I mean, you, you know, sure, he was all about healing and then he cursed the fig tree and blah, blah, blah. We go back and forth and there's this whole thing and he's cursing this person and blessing this person. But, but what's That's the big, <laughs> what, right, what is the big picture statements? What is his big picture manifesto? Love the Lord your God with your heart and soul. Love your neighbors yourself. Who's your neighbor? Anybody who needs help. Regardless. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear you for sure, but I think you can't overlook the subversive nature of the parables. And I think he really is critiquing multiple levels of society if you dig into um, what he's 
what he's getting at, whether it's well, the parable of the talents or the seeds or the sheep and the goats. Uh, I think he's, he's being subversive at multiple levels and yes, calling people to care for their neighbor, but also saying what the hell kind of a society are we living in? And it's time to embody something different. So I don't know that he was saying, yeah, elect me to be Caesar. He wasn't doing that, but I think he is saying we need to really think about how we're doing this whole human community thing, which I think necessarily expands beyond just me and my neighbor. But I don't think that necessarily makes him sub sub uh, yeah. subversive. Sub sub I was suburban. It doesn't make suburban. suburban. <laughs> exactly. No, no, suburban. I I um, I don't think he's trying to subvert anything necessarily, other than people's own short-sightedness and myopicness. I mean, that's what I think he was really after. You know, yes, we've gotten to this point and, um, you know, but it's up to us to change it. And, and again, yeah, it, you know, if this was a whole thing about subverting authoritarianism, you know, he didn't bring down the, the religious establishment. He didn't bring down the Roman establishment. Like none of that stuff happen what he was bringing down if anything was our own internal sense of 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 self-centeredness and and, and selfishness and saying you know what this is this is about loving each other and supporting each other and helping each other so you know if that if that is going to spill out into subverting the authorities it may or it may not but we got to start there and i think that was for me that's what he was primarily pushing. And if we can do that, that's going to transcend any, any religious affiliation. That's going to transcend any political affiliation, you know, just help your neighbor out. So here's, here's as if I can like condemn. So when I look at a question like this of like, well, if I had to choose a or B, clearly I would choose a, that Jesus was a revolutionary who would hate capitalist society. Right. As opposed to, endorses conservative values right and yet as i sit there i'm like okay challenge where do i where do i push what jesus taught totally aside you know and and there are real things that jesus said that i rationalize away um jesus's stance on divorce for instance right i say historical context says he's actually trying to love his neighbor right because the nuance of, hey, two people grow apart, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about people living in loveless, sexless marriages or whatever. He's talking about, you know, the laws of the time. And what's about to happen is this woman's going to lose her children. She's going to be shunned by her community and her family. And she's going to become an outcast. And you don't do things that make people outcasts, right? Love your neighbor. Right. So, yes, but like I, the, the, the sermon, the only sermon I've given on divorce post my own divorce was, Jesus, that hurts, right? Like you're talking about me and that's hurtful yep. and I am not a bad person, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And, and again, I, I understand the historical context. I understand that that's not what he's saying. And Jesus, you, who are you to cast the first stone? Well, exactly, right? Like, 
yeah, you were never married. You don't know what it's like. <laughs> well, come on, dude. Like, what was your last long-term relationship? Come on. <laughs> Seriously. What do you know what you're talking about? But the, the, the reality is, is that when I, this is where historical information comes in. This is where it's helpful. Yeah. But when people come out and say, no, the Bible says divorce is wrong. I actually have to come back and say, the Bible says a lot of things. Right. <laughs> like, you know, and, and so do we, do we appropriate not just Jesus, but God to our, uh, like, yes, but For there's, sure. there's some ways of doing that that is actually helpful. And there's some ways of doing that that is, that is not, um, you know, it's often like there are certain scriptures that are used against quote unquote homosexuality. Right. And, sure. and they're like, well, because Jesus was silent, he endorses it. No, because Jesus was silent, he hates it. And it's like, guys, Jesus just didn't talk about it. So whatever. But what he did talk about is love and how do we love one another and how do we care for one another? And this is certainly a group of people that has been ostracized in our community. And we are told that those are people that we should try to care for, you know, in the best way possible and advocate for and bring justice for. So it's, it's an interesting kind of, um, thing to say, you know, what is, what is the teaching and God bring us in capitalistic society and our current. And, and let me throw this, let me throw this out there because the Bible said it, or even reportedly Jesus said it, does that make it right? Also true. I, I mean, I would say, whoops, are people listening? Could I get fired? <laughs> No. So, well, here's the point. Who's to say that because it's particularly Old Testament, um, yeah. who's to say that because it got put in the Bible, that's what's given as, as an example of what we should do. Right. Right. Who's to yeah. say that, that right. the killing of hundreds of thousands of women and children because they dared through multiple generations to remarry the people who occupied them. Yeah. Like, Context that was put in there because that's what you should do next time this happens. Context is king. We, 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 we cannot, and I, you know, I always stress that we cannot, cannot ignore and overlook the context of the people and the time in which this stuff was, was written. It just, it just doesn't, it doesn't hold up. It doesn't transfer onto us in, you know, in the 21st century i mean when you know when you when you look at a people who were who were like scattered to the ends of the earth and and they don't even know if uh, them as as an ethnic group is going to survive of course procreation is like number one on the agenda right so therefore homosexual relationships which are not producing kids yeah that's 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 no we we got to have babies because we're about to die off the context right. of it there makes sense and and the same i mean all the deuteronomy texts of of even masturbation or you know bestiality yeah. and like uh, which you know yes is wrong but like <laughs> you know like judge not lest ye be judged there's no no there's no consent there that can't happen <laughs> right okay good point touche consent is key here anyway the 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 <laughs> point is is that all all of that show, t- show title <laughs> oh my gosh we are off the rails <laughs> I once had a youth group kid and he like I was in seminary and I was young and he like it was my second year there and he trusted me and he was like so can I ask you a question I'm like sure hit me like the kids the, all my kids know they can ask me whatever they want as long as it's not about me as long as it's not personal, <laughs> right and they were like so there are these kids at school that are putting out these posters quoting scripture that like masturbation is gonna send you to hell 
right? This is, this is Kentucky. So there you go. And, and, and I was like, well, actually what they're talking about is, you know, and I'm, I'm talking about the do not spill your seed on the ground, right. just, you know, yeah. whatever. And, and I was like, oh, by the way, girls, they say nothing about you. So you go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Anyway. Awesome. Boom. So last comment I'll make on this is that if you're going to appropriate Jesus or scripture, which I don't recommend, but we all do it to some degree. <laughs> Please do the hard work of looking at context, um, scholarship, et cetera, et cetera. Don't just say Bible says therefore X. Sorry. Exactly. And what is, by the way, before not just historical, but what's before that scripture and what's right after that scripture? Uh, absolutely. What's, what's the chapter talking about? Yeah, you know? literary context, uh, um, chronological context, everything, political context, you yep. got it. And, and, what, and also what's not said, you know, I mean, my, my favorite running joke is, did Jesus go into preaching and ministry because he was called and loved it or because he was a sucky carpenter and, didn't, <laughs> and couldn't follow after his father's footsteps as people did at that time wow. and decided he needed to find another profession? I'm, you know, I'm just putting it out there. Just putting it out what's there. What's not said is just as important. <laughs> You know, the nomadic life for me sounds really awesome. There you go. <laughs> Everybody, let's go camping. <laughs> so I feel like we need we need new music for like it's time for pass or pour. There you go. I don't know. I like. I feel like yeah. Did you did you hear what I put in there? Just there's like a. Oh, I haven't. Oh. I have put something in there when we oh, make the shifts. Edits, dude. Yeah, I, I don't look. like to listen to myself. Yeah, you I should don't listen. listen. I, I do put something in. So it's time right. for pass or pour. <laughs> Speaking of music, you spoke of music. Perfect. Uh, uh, we had the Masters this past weekend. The winner was Patrick Reed. Um, an this interesting means nothing to me. Character, villain, and all, but that's not the point. The point is that he credits his success to listening to a specific song before he goes out to play. Oh, yeah, I know it. Is this a quiz now or is this pass or poor? Because <laughs> I, I know the answer. Is this trivia? And, and it holds an important lesson on how we reach our peak performance. Do you want to talk about this? We just want to pass. I will, I will pour because I, I, I want to hear about peak performance. All right. So, so. <laughs> I thought we finished that part of the discussion. Only, only if there's content. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I, I've got my disc golf lead today. So I'm ready. I was if thinking sports. Listen, uh -huh, sports. If you're by yourself, it's okay. But if other people are involved, you need consent, you need consent. Um, for your peak performance. Uh, so before he plays golf, Patrick Reed listens to Radioactive by Imagine Dragons. I knew it. Well, not what I, I knew that. I could answer yes. that. Yeah, yes, he does. And so there was actually a study in 2014 that said listening to music can indeed improve your performance uh, when you're playing golf. Uh, another study in 2017 in, uh, when music increased the risk-taking behavior in athletic performance in basketball. So when people were practicing and playing basketball, they listened to music and encouraged them to shoot from further distances. They took more risk and it led to higher point rewards. It didn't necessarily improve their shooting ability, but it kind of helps you push yourself a little bit further. However, this does not apply to like office productivity when you're sitting at a desk. Oh, it does for me. No, it, so I was going to say, do you do you like to study or write a sermon in silence or with music? So, so I was yeah. actually go ahead. 
I was talking about this this morning. Um, so I, I need to listen to music while I do things. And I need to listen to music if I'm trying to concentrate like writing or something like that. I have to listen to music that I already know because what it does for me is it occupies a certain part of my brain yeah. that is um, functioning. So I need, it's almost like a distracting a toddler. Like, mm. <laughs> like yeah. here, here's your, here's your music. You listen to your music and don't bother me for a while. Um, but it, it also like for me in sports or I don't play sports, but you know, whatever it would get rid of the voice or at least calm the voice of like, you can't shoot from this far out. Right. right. Like it'll pull that it'll occupy a different part of your brain so that you can, you'll, you'll be willing to try it cause you didn't think about it. And music can occupy that, that part of the brain. There you go. There you go. Sorry. Um, so, uh, music majors. <laughs> bingo. Uh, so here at Pub Theology Live, at the end of every show, we encourage you to drink responsibly. Um, in the headlines from a few weeks ago, a drunk man was hit with a $1,600 Uber bill after a 300-mile trip from West Virginia to New Jersey. We want to pass or pour on this. I feel like that's enough. I'm good. Yeah, I can Let's pass. pass. Headline, we can pass on that. Headline speech. I, like, great. Good for him. All right, next. <laughs> next. <laughs> next. All right. Uh, Bishop Carlton Pearson, <laughs> you guys are aware of Bishop Carlton Pearson, talks about his new movie and beliefs. It's a movie called Come Sunday. It's, it's going to be on Netflix. Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, we want to pass a pour on Bishop Carlton Pearson. And if you don't know who he is. I don't, does he have a brother him. named Jack? Ha ha. You better Sorry. put a rim shot in there somewhere. Sorry. <laughs> they can be talking about this. So, that a yes? Uh, that Shannon did not grab me. So, I will, I will defer to Shannon. Sure, let's pour. So, I'm, I'm excited about this, actually. Brian, do you know who Bishop Carlton Pearson is? The name is familiar, but I... Uh, so Bishop Carlton Pearson, he was like, he used to be a mega evangelistic preacher. Okay. Uh, you know, Oral Roberts was his mentor and, uh, and took him <laughs> under his wing to the point that Oral Roberts referred Carlton Pearson as his, quote, black son. Okay. Oh, boy. Uh, but then that's so so then uh, Carlton Pearson, re, you know, in his story, he talks about one night or over a series of nights having dreams where he realizes that there is no hell that we're all, you know, going to end up in this like experience of heaven with God. And as a result, as a result, basically he lost his 5000 member following and he basically started to take on universalist new thought type teachings. He did some rounds in unity as well, uh, connected with um, 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 Michael Beckwith over at Agape. And now he's written some books and now his story is being highlighted. in The Netflix movie called come Sunday started. I can never say his name. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Uh, oh so yeah. He's fantastic. Yes. And Martin Sheen is going to play Oral Roberts. Um, awesome. so this, this was a story that, that I referenced when I said earlier about, um, we often don't change our minds until it happens to us because according to Pearson, when he was talking with Oral Roberts, um, Oral Roberts originally said, you're crazy, dude, get out of here. But then it turns out that, uh, the Roberts son, Ronald, he was gay. He committed suicide. And they had trouble reconciling the fact that their son was in hell. And, and he apparently later told Pearson, um, I, I really listened to thought about what you said, and I like what you hear. 
So do we think that Oral Roberts is changing, coming Ooh. around? Ooh. Um, and um, the follow-up question is, when we film your biopic, who do you want to play you? Oh. So two-parter, two-parter from that headline right there, Ooh. and then we can wrap up. I think, I think Oral may be moving in a good direction, but I don't know him, so it's, and I don't follow him, so it's hard to say. I, th- I think if he moved, we know about it. Thoughts, Shannon? Shannon, you're muted. Still why do I keep being muted? <laughs> I mean, why does that keep happening? Just be clear, she's doing it to herself, not I us. I am. I'm totally doing it to myself. Um, I I think that if he does switch, then we won't know about it. I think he's I think he's too old and too big of a following, and too it's too much of a risk for his quote unquote brand, right? I I, I agree with you. Who's who's playing you in your film? In the film about you, who's playing you? Um, who's the girl on Kimmy Schmidt? Who's Kimmy Schmidt? <laughs> Ooh, good, good call. Nice. Uh, Ellie, Ely, somebody, Ellie, somebody. Uh, yeah. Yes. That's who's playing me. Good call. How about you, <laughs> I have the actor, but I'm totally blanking on the name. Um, what was that football movie in Philadelphia with Jennifer Lawrence? I got nothing. <laughs> I have to look that one up. You look You're not at? talking about like Marky Mark, are you? <laughs> no, 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 not Marky Mark. Nope. Silver Linings Playbook. Bradley Cooper. Bradley oh, Cooper. Bradley Cooper. Yes. Oh, that's fitting. I, could kind of see that. I, could I knew you were going to love that. <laughs> <laughs> Might be reaching a little bit, but I see it. <laughs> uh, who's playing me? Tadix. Oh, yeah, baby. There nice. You go. That sounds good. Any, any, any final thoughts on... Uh, on coming together, common ground, unity, seeing things alike. Yeah. Love your neighbors, you love yourself. <laughs> I'd say even love your neighbor more than you love yourself because you know Ooh. some of us don't have a lot of self-love going on. Ooh. Love your neighbor more. I said that, you know, like if if we were real about this, we would we would you can start loving your neighbor, but then you also have to love this yourself or you can't continue to love your neighbor. This right. is true. Because all See love. last week's episode on <laughs> self-care. All love begins with self-love. Uh, this is what happens when I Coca-Cola, zero sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Get her some alcohol. <laughs> mm. Anyways. Well, thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. Please connect and spread the word on social media. Of course, you can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or iTunes. Please rate us there. We've got a recent five-star review. Let's add to that. Uh, Thanks, Zane. And thank you, Zane. And, of course, if you want to watch the fun, you can do that on YouTube or the New Thought channel. And if you'd like to find a local conversation group in your town, check out the directory at pubtheology.com. And thank you again to our sponsor, Wink Wine Club. That's Wink with a C. We'll find at trywink.com slash PT Live. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. We, we might have even agreed to disagree at points on appropriating Jesus. I think at some point of every episode, we are agreeing to disagree. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, and I find it, yeah, I mean, I, I, I find it really helpful to be able to kind of sit there and say, hey, this is, I mean, I, I've done it to other people. I don't know that the three of us have done it, but to be like, if things really got contentious, like to be able to say, 
hey, this is hard to talk about, right? And yes. when we talk about the, like, we can't agree to disagree, it's because we, we can't stop and say, hey, this is really hard for me to talk about. And so one, like some people shut down, some people push farther and relationships get ruined, right? Yes. In that way yes. versus being able to just say like, I'm having a hard time right now.